how to manage fear and uncertainty in difficult times. How can we practice gratitude in the face of such adversity? And what are the possible benefits of adversity? All questions asked and answered today with the great, the powerful Max Strom. Max is the author of two great books, A Life Worth Breathing and There Is No App for Happiness. Max has been on this podcast before. I would consider him a mentor from afar. Uh, I've only met him once, or twice actually, because I went to his workshop in London, which was a workshop for men, how to be a better man. And Max is very involved in breathing to heal ourselves. And he has an online course that you can see on Max, M-A-X-S-T-R-O-M.com. So this was an honor for me. I'm really proud of this episode because Max is very poised in his delivery, very wise, and he offers a lot of valuable information. I really hope you enjoy this. You can find him online and you can also find him on Instagram. If you want to find me, you can visit my website, kevinboyyoga.ie, for all workshops and classes as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave it a review or share it with a friend. That would be fantastic. And this episode was actually filmed in front of a live audience. Well, it was done on Instagram Live. So there's going to be questions for me, but also questions from the people watching and listening. So there's a lot out of this, and I do hope to get Max on again. Um, he's just fantastic. Thank you, as always, for spending an hour of your time listening to myself and my guests speak. I really hope you enjoy this episode. You get a lot from it. Any information you'd like from me, it's best to send me an email, hello at kevinboyyoga.ie. All right, that is all. Look after yourselves and enjoy. Max, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Can you hear me? <laughs> Loud and clear. Good, good. Good to see you again. It's good to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th thank you for inviting me onto your show again. No, thank you for coming. Um, last time I spoke, we're, we, we're finding um, unconventional ways of having conversations. The last time was in my cousin's car that I borrowed. That's right. That's right. <laughs> On the street. <laughs> I was telling uh, someone that story today. Yeah. It made quite a little a good uh, podcast studio, though. So, it did. Um, Apart from when people are loitering and sitting on the car, that can, you know, <laughs> what can you do, though? Yeah, but, um, but for busy London, it, it uh, was fairly soundproof. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, and that was that was a really um, popular podcast. I'm I'm delighted that you're you're back. Um, how are you keeping? I'm keeping well, thank you. You, you know, I'm living in uh, the Netherlands now, which is mm. where I am at the moment, and uh, it's a good place to be confined if you're going to be confined. I live in yeah. an old city, so it's cobblestones and canals, and uh, uh, my health is good, and uh, I'm I'm thankful for that because I know not everyone has that experience right now yeah absolutely what what's um what is the situation where you are in terms of the level of confinement and restriction it's similar to um germany and a little and somewhat the uk uh where it's more uh they're opening it up now for example i think um the restaurants are opening 
and the uh, even yoga studios will be opening, I believe, July 1st. But that's with the caveat of the 1.5 meter distance, which, of course, mm-hmm. will put most yoga studios out of business. Because if you have a room that holds 25 and you're forced to only have eight, you're going to go out of business. So yeah. so this uh, pandemic is really uh, really hitting the yoga world really hard and gymnasiums as well, you know, fitness gyms. Yeah. No, absolutely um and how's your if you don't mind i don't want to get too personal but how are you how's your health is it how are you keeping it's, it's really good thank you yeah yeah uh, no worries is it, <laughs> um someone just uh, so if, for the people that are um watching this is a q a and i'm conscious that there's a slight delay so in other words if you write a question we won't see it for about a few, a few minutes anyway i know that mm. Um, so if you have a question, it's best to write it now. And what I'll do is intermittently, I will scroll back through the, through the comments and, um, bring that question to Max, um, if that sounds good. So I'm just going to quickly check Max if, um, someone has said something here. Uh, my first real teacher, uh, the gentle giant at a donation studio. This is you, Max. <laughs> uh, I, I left to live in Thailand and he, he let me make a mixtape of his class to bring to me, uh, with me before 2000 that's wow. nice yeah that was a long <laughs> time ago that's wow. brilliant that's would you a... mind writing the person who said that would you mind writing if you're comfortable writing your, your name but um if, if you want but um uh, hello everyone just says hello 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 okay cool that's my i'm getting used to this max you know this um live business yeah, how too. have you fa- have you adopt have you adapted to the um the streaming side of things slowly slowly it's um God, I have so many thoughts about it. I don't know what to say. Uh, the particular work that I've been doing over the years, and especially the last year, really has a lot to do with uh, connection and uh, emotional intimacy. And, <clears throat> of course, breathing together mm. uh, to help with anxiety and depression and so on, as you know. And, uh, of course, all of those things are kind of wiped out by doing live streaming, but we have to adapt to whatever the situation is in life. And, uh, we are adapting and, uh, uh, I'm starting to get used to talking to cameras instead of people. Um, (laughs) it's, it's odd, but, uh, we need to connect and, uh, this is the best we have right now. And that's my attitude. It's the best we have. So we're going to do it. Yeah. Have you, maybe it's not a question to ask but have you seen any ben not obviously the the you know, the health uh effects have, have been disastrous and um mm-hmm. have impacted a lot of people but have you seen any um benefit to this if there could be in terms of as society so you're not talking about the live streaming now you're talking about the epidemic so, a pandemic how that is positively affecting society? Yeah, more so like, um, like say streaming, for example, and how we use technology. Or so my, my thoughts are, for example, I think that I, I'm speaking to my neighbours now. I've lived here for three years. I never spoke to my neighbours before, mm-hmm. not once. And I've spoken to them so many times now because mm-hmm. we have more, more, more time on our hands. Um, have you seen an, an upside to this time that you know where we're doing nothing essentially? 
or less. Yeah, I mean, it affects people differently because some people are really dealing with the virus, whether it's themselves or their roommate or their children or whoever, or mm. or a family member who has it but they can't visit them because they live far away. Then there are people who are really dealing with economic problems. For example, I know a couple. The woman is a yoga teacher uh, and a yoga trainer, and her husband owns a restaurant in a very expensive city. And overnight, the yoga studio went out of business. She's without a job, and the restaurant has to be shut down. So a lot of people are dealing with bankruptcy. You know, they're being asked just stay home and go bankrupt. You know. And that, that's having tremendous impact. So some people are working around the clock at home to try to, to fix their dire uh, economic disaster. Then there are others who are surviving fine, either because the government's helping to support them or it didn't really affect their job that much, um, etc. And mm. they're dealing mostly with isolation. Uh, the, the isolation affects them more because they're more aware of their surroundings and what's going on. Now, overall, my view is that I think the the good part of this is that basically we're being given a big timeout. It's like uh, the forces that be are saying, uh, you've been bad and we're, you're all going to go home and you're going to think about what you've done, like talking to children, you know. And... Uh, all kidding aside, I really think that it's helping us to identify what is important and what is not important, to reassess what is vital, what is not vital, what ha helps my uh, mental and emotional health, what doesn't. And although we're relying on um, online services like this more than ever, uh, because we don't have really any personal social uh, interaction in person, and missing it so much, we're really seeing the limitations of just how far uh, this gets us, you know, in terms of loneliness, in terms of contact. So it's really showing us glaringly the limitations of social media, for example, uh, living with our face in a screen. I think there was an argument before where some parts of the population believed this is just the new way to live with a phone in the hand all the time, wake up, look at it. Uh, glance at it when you're making love with your partner. I, I read that something like 10% of people say they do that. While they're having sex? Yeah. And so this this is just the new way to live. And uh, I think now we know that that's not true, that it is not as healthy, and it ultimately makes us more lonely. You know, Kevin, I've been saying, uh, we've been social distancing for about 15 years now. Ever since social media and the smartphone arrived, uh, people have been more and more uh, withdrawing from society and communicating um, through, through Morse code, basically, what we used to call Morse code. Yeah. And um, now it's more extreme, the social distancing, which really should be called physical distancing, I think. But we've been mm -hmm. social distancing for 15 years, and that's why, as we spoke about in your last podcast, we have now at, in the UK... Um, a ministry of loneliness and a ministry of suicide prevention because loneliness leads to anxiety, leads to depression. Mm. Isolation leads to loneliness. Loneliness mm. leads to um, depression and anxiety and panic attacks. So then how, because I think a lot of people are looking for answers as in, um, 
we're getting a bit over we're constantly overwhelmed with statistics um how many i mean the irish government say every single day how many deaths has been how many people have um, tested positive mm -hmm. and that is only going to create more fear more uh, uncertainty mm -hmm. so how would people how could people manage that th those feelings well first let's talk about the very practical side of it the practical side of it is if you are constantly looking at negative news it triggers your fight or flight response fight flight or freeze we know that scientifically um, i would recommend just looking at the news uh, more superficially honestly and in other words you don't need to read in depth about the coronavirus every day um, you're still going to be told to stay home for for the time being mm. um, my, my point is that uh, look at the negative news once a week twice a week at most and not for hours just for 10 or 15 minutes there is a really nice site i, I think it's called positive news good news good news oh yeah the good news yeah a, there's a good news <coughs> website where everything on it is positive news and there's a ton of positive news every single article stuff that you'll be shocked isn't headline news because the coronavirus and trump are just pushing everything else off the front page of uh, bbc or american news outlets um if you read positive news every day that helps as well because there is mm. a lot of positive news but in terms of um how to deal with it emotionally uh, li life is always uncertain um, this is not the first crisis we've had in our personal life it might be the biggest for some people especially those with the the health crisis from the virus or um, the bankruptcy issues and so on but I lecture about this all the time I think you've been to one of my lectures where I say within five years you're going to have a major crisis it might not be yours personally not maybe not your body or your finances but it'll be someone immediately around you your parent your spouse your children and so on yeah and, and and five years is being really really liberal most most likely it's going to happen way sooner than that so i, I lecture about this all the time uh, life is never crisis free there are little spells of time where we don't seem to have a crisis mm -hmm. but uh you know you know how this all ends none of us get out of here alive as they say <laughs> no matter how old you become and I can tell you I'm almost 64 and it goes by very quickly and it seems to speed up so my point is um, things aren't that much more uncertain honestly they just appear to be we're more aware of them mm. we're more aware of uncertainty but uh, if you look back at your plans especially with the type of person that writes down your plans for the year you look back five years you can see the a lot of your plans were disrupted did not materialize because of x factors or i think they call them black swans now events or uh aspects that that interfere with your plans basically <coughs> oh bless you sorry <laughs> is that that special drink that you mix before the talk 
Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm off. Um, I'm off sugar, so I'm making sparkling water, lime and lemon. It's fr- oh. it's fr- lime and mint. It's, it looks like a, a G and T, but it's not. <laughs> uh, they call them um, mojitos, right? Yeah, but this is a, a sense. I'm off sugar, so this is a sensible one. But um, what what? So a black swan max is, is. I haven't heard that expression before. It, it's it's some an event that you didn't plan for, mm. but happened. Yeah, it's um, right. You know, you you slip on the ice on the way out the door to your meeting and break your leg, and it changes the course of the next couple of months of your life. Um, just uh, accidents, uh, economic crashes, or um, health issues, or mm. health issues of those around you, or you put everything into your house and then the 2008 crash happens and your house isn't, house isn't worth anything. So it it's forces beyond your control that are highly affecting your life and usually quite quickly. If you think about a deck of cards, it would be the Joker, you know? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, I, every time I teach a class, I have certain phrases that I go to a yoga class and I'm not, when I, to, to close the class off. And one of them is about being thankful about um, practicing gratitude for someone, something, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I find it's it's kind of difficult at the moment to find things. Uh, well, it, it's getting better now. But um, when I went to your workshop in London, you did a meditation which talked about someone sitting in front of you that you're really grateful for. Mm-hmm. And this, um, this someone is, they're an adult, and I can remember it word for word. Um, and there's someone that that has essentially taught you how to love and have believed in you, and um, that and that is really powerful. But how can we, uh, if we don't go to a class or we don't go to a meditation, how can we, on a day-to-day basis, practice uh, gratitude in the in these situation in this situation? Well, I'll, I'll finish my my points with talking about that visualization but there are a couple of techniques that I've learned from other people one is um, I don't know if you've heard of a gratitude stone you keep a small stone in your pocket or a couple of them in different pockets so that whenever you put your hand in the pocket for example to to pick out a shilling or something um, you find the stone and it's a reminder to focus on something that you're grateful for another yeah another is a gratitude journal which is a blank book. You buy a blank book and you, every evening you write down simple things that you're grateful for that happened that day or are happening. Um, Somebody said to me recently, you know, I don't see any reason to be grateful. When I look, he said, when I read the news, uh, I just see, all I see are reasons to be depressed. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's just a shift in perception, a shift in consciousness. And mm-hmm. all you have to do to change that is let's start with this. You have eyes to read. There are a lot of people who would like to trade places with you who are blind from birth, let's say, or lost their sight in an accident. And if they suddenly regain their sight, it would be so monumentally thrilling to them and would change their life so much. 
and we just completely take it for granted. There are so many things that we have that we take for granted, such as being able to walk across the room, talk to an 85-year-old person who can't get up on their own and walk across the room to the bathroom when they need to go. They miss that autonomy. And uh, as we age, we start losing things. We can't run like the wind anymore. Then we can't walk very fast. Then we can't walk up or downstairs. Then we can't walk much at all. And then we can't walk. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's, I hate to say it, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but unless you die suddenly, you get hit by a bus. That's basically how it goes. And um, so we have plenty to be grateful for all the time. Um, we could do the gratitude visualization now if you want. Yeah, sure. Should I do that? Because mm-hmm. that because it requires people to close their eyes. So if someone's driving, as you listen to this, please don't close your eyes. But every everyone else, please close your eyes. Mm-hmm. And I'll lead you through this. It only takes about three minutes. Okay? Yeah, please. Okay. So those of you listening, please close your eyes and uh, listen to my voice only. And take three slow, deep breaths to prepare yourself. So you take nice deep breaths, however you want to do it. Something like that. Take one or two more. Now leave the eyes closed so that you can see more. And I invite you to remember someone in your life. They still might be with you in your life. They may be gone. But someone in your life that you feel tremendous gratitude for. So it's someone either who taught you the meaning of love or who raised your self-esteem at a critical time, or who believed in you and no one else would. So don't go through your Rolodex. Choose the first adult that comes to mind. Okay, you have that person. Now just be satisfied with that person as your selection. And visualize that person sitting in front of you only about a meter and a half away, 1.5 meters away. And they're sitting there, not as a photograph, but alive, breathing, blinking, gazing at you with respect and affection. And you're gazing at them with affection and respect, maybe even love. Keep breathing. This is a person who changed your life. So allow yourself to fully radiate your gratitude toward this impressive, magnificent person. Breathe deeply as you see him or her. Accept your gratitude and be grateful for it and touched by the emotion they feel from you. Surround this person 
with your gratitude. And do it as if it were your last opportunity to do so. And this person is very touched and nods the head to you as only they can. And then they reach toward you very respectfully, very carefully, and either touch, they touch you on the cheek or on your shoulder, simply signaling you that you will never be forgotten, that you matter, that you are seen, and you have an eternal connection. Notice how the emotion of gratitude feels somewhat like forgiveness. It might feel like love. And it always humbles us. And when gratitude is fully present, anger is not. When gratitude is fully present and your heart is full of it, depression is not. It's a reset button that is yours free to access several times a day. So take another deep breath in and out. And no rush, but when you're ready, open your eyes. onions in there. Someone's that's been cutting one. onions in there, yeah. That's, that's a good one, Max. Well, wow, man, I love that. Thank you. The key is that it has to be. Um, not just a person, but one of the people that has impacted you the most. So it's a real person that really affected you and you bring them to life. The reason I say don't choose a child is because we love our children. Um, what's the word? Unconditionally. Whereas an adult has to earn it. You know, when, when we feel that much gratitude, it's because of an action they chose to take consciously as an adult to do something for us, whether it's to love us or look after us or protect us, or whatever it was. And so it's a different kind of uh, relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um, what kind of reaction do you get to that normally? Uh, if I'm in a public uh, workshop or something, usually 99% of the people have tears streaming down their faces. Except, except the English, of course. <laughs> Tears of weakness. The, the, um, it, it, I'm just it, joking, it, but they will try no, to hide, they will try to hide it as much as possible, wiping the tears away very quickly. Why is that? Do you think? I mean, I'm seriously because I I I'm, I think there is such thing as you know culture, and yeah. different cultures have different um, norms. Why do you think that is? 
I think it goes way back. And I think boys have been essentially brought up to be soldiers. And uh, England was very much, it was very big on that. Mm -hmm. uh, being the, you know, the number one country in the world for a long time. And um, so boys were taught, uh, girls too, but especially boys were taught that uh, it's, it's a weakness to cry, that to be vulnerable is a weakness, to, be, to show fear is a weakness. All of these emotions that we have naturally are weakness and that you'll lose your credibility and your status in society if you show these emotions. So mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. I, I have a friend in, in England and he's about my age, and he said, you know, when, uh, when I was 12 years old, uh, my sister died. She was older than me, and I loved my sister more than anyone. And she died suddenly, and after the funeral, my parents said, uh, we, we will never speak of this again. So that's the training we get, in, especially in certain cultures. You're taught, that's how you're taught. And also by watching your parents as a child, you see, well, how did they react? My father just came home. His father died today. He's not crying. He's not talking about it. He picks up a magazine and starts reading it. That's how you learn. Mm -hmm. But as you know, I'm a big proponent on breaking that, uh, breaking this systemic uh, suppression because I think it's very harmful. It's not so coincidental that when they did the uh, mental health study for the UK a year and a half ago, that they came upon the statistic that 30% of the thousands of people that they interviewed, 30% of them, said they had thought about taking their own life in the last year. So 30%? So 30%, 30%, three zero, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, England has a phrase for it, the stiff upper lip. Yeah, soldier on, let's get on with it, all those things. Yeah. The last time I was in London, and I, I actually asked them to recite them all to me. We got, we got <laughs> all of them. It's probably quite a lot. Mm. Um, I wanna, I'm conscious of all the people that have asked loads of questions, Max. Um, normally I do these Q&As and no one asks a question, but there's quite a lot here. So let me um, go through them, and then I can be a bit more selfish and ask my own questions. Very good, <laughs> good. Um, so, so let's have a look. Oh, no, sorry. Let me just try and scroll. Mm. Are there any, um, so this is from Christine, ah, Christina, I believe. Um, are there any recommendations slash exercises Max suggests which help with strengthening breath and lungs, but also with not thinking about Corona? So any, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the C word. Yes. Um, I call it the mind meets the breath. The mind meets the breath. And um, mm. if you want to write down how to do this, mm. I'll tell you. So, Christina, um, it goes like this. It's from a seated position. I don't care if you sit on the floor or on a chair. It's up to you. Straight spine. Shoulders relaxed. That's just the starting place. The idea is to breathe the ocean breathing. In yoga studios, they call it ujjayi breathing. I call it ocean breathing. As slowly as you can for three minutes, and you count your breaths. So for those of you who don't know what ocean breathing is, it sounds like this. One moment. <clears throat> so first you'll hear the inhale, then the exhale. You'll notice it sounds a bit like ocean waves. 
So you can breathe through your mouth or through your nose as you like, making that sound. We don't have time for me to go into details on how to do that, but you can. Uh, well, you can... It's funny you say that. Sorry, Max. It's funny you say that because Christine has also asked. Um, this is when you may have more time. Uh, is Max offering any upcoming online teachings slash talks which may focus on coping with this pandemic? Question mark. I am. Uh, so you're. Your listeners could go to my website. That's the best thing to do, maxstrom.com, and we'll have everything mm. listed there. Okay. Uh, so that's maxstrom.com. Okay, it's, cool. a, it's a comprehensive, comprehensive site, and so she can find out everything she wants to know. Now, okay, to continue, the exercise is uh, done with ocean breathing. Oh, yes. You set a timer for three minutes. Mm-hmm. One that does not have a shocking uh, alarm, you know, something that's uh, calm, I'm I'm constantly shocked at how uh, the, the radical sounds that people put on their timers, you know, like a bomb exploding or a car burning rubber on the highway, something gentle. So when it, when you're finished with the exercise, it doesn't trigger fight or flight in you. So again, three minute breathing exercise, do ocean breathing. The counting of the breaths is important because by counting, as you pay attention to your breath, you think of nothing else. Everything that gives you anxiety, fear, anger, depression, it's gone. And that makes a difference. It's like a reset. So you count your breaths. You don't try to breathe so slowly that you start to feel like you're going to suffocate. You have to figure out how slowly can I do this exercise without feeling like I'm going to suffocate and die. Yeah, It's a balance. I can... So, for example, if I do it, I think, oh, I lost my breath. I had to stop because I was trying to take only 10 breaths. Maybe I should do 12 or 13 breaths. And then you can do it every day, twice a day, maybe. And over time, uh, what happens is the numbers will start to go down. But don't get competitive about it. This is really useful, especially for people who have panic attacks and anxiety. They love this exercise. Okay, that's brilliant, Max. Thank you. Um, the next question. Um, so this is more. Uh, co- that was a comment. Oh, someone said, "Can you, please can you save this to your stories? Uh, I can't watch the whole event, but would love to catch up later." So this this is like going to be out as a podcast. Um, in ten days, Thursday, not this Thursday, the following Thursday. Just to let you know, as a full podcast, as in. Like high quality sound i will also save this but it only gets saved for 24 hours but yes i will definitely do that for you i promise um nice. instagram is instagram though it sometimes it doesn't save because mm. they're a bit overwhelmed their servers get overwhelmed by people trying to save live things so sometimes mm. it doesn't happen so i can't guarantee that but i will make the effort i promise um tell, oh, go tell on, them how to uh, to listen to your podcast too Oh yes, <laughs> uh, the podcast is available on all. Me- no, it's available on iTunes, Spotify, um, all all platforms. I think Spotify is the best, and uh, Spotify now are um, kind of becoming the leader in, in podcast. But I do a video version as well. But I've stopped that now for a while because I can't meet anybody. <laughs> What's your so podcast just- called, Kevin? Oh, oh, thanks, Max. It's called the Yoga Life Podcast, <laughs> where we talk about yeah, we talk about yoga and, and life. And it's um, hundred. This will be episode one hundred and five, I believe, which is which I'm very happy about. It's out every Thursday. 
Thank you, Max. You gave me a dig out there, man. I appreciate it. Um, So the next question, Max, do you have any favorite book? If so, what and why? You can't promote your own book now here, Max. (laughs) Okay, now (laughs) I have to start over again. (laughs) God, I I wish that it wasn't quite that general, the question, because it would be more in in what category, you know? What category? Um... Well, I'll mention a couple of authors instead of the particular book. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like uh, Sufi writings. Um, Cahil Gibran, Cahil Gibran's uh, writings are beautiful. Um, I love Houston Smith's writings on uh, philosophy and religions, on the comparing, mm-hmm. comparing them and interweaving them. Houston Smith. Um, yeah, his particular book, The World, World Re- World's Religions, is fantastic. It's required reading in my teacher training, for example. Houston Smith, World's Religions. And I like um, the Sufi writer and teacher. This is a hard name. It's, his name is Hazrat Inyat Khan. Uh, he died, I believe, in 1929. Uh, I would recommend anything that he wrote or about him. Uh, Hazrat is H-A-Z-R-A-T, like Hazrat, if you were an American, if you were a Texan. Inayat is I-N-A-Y-A-T, and Khan like Genghis Khan. So, those are my favorites. Thank you. Um, Next question. Would you ever do that meditation during a yoga class or just the workshop? Not sure if that would be too much for yoga class. The three-minute one I did? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You can do that. I've done it thousands of times you do it at the end of class mm-hmm. you you introduce something like that once people are already affected by the, the yoga class and just mm-hmm. before the total relaxation um just have them sit and do that they'd be happy to do it yeah but but be um, sure here's a key to teachers yes don't forget to tell your students why don't say we're just going to do this exercise say this is particularly good for anxiety fear and depression well that covers mm-hmm. almost everybody mm-hmm. yeah someone mentioned actually um insight timer is a good timer that gives you options that are not uh, literally alarming so um what's it called to... insight timer it's an app oh good insight yeah, timer been... app thank you yeah thank you uh, yeah this chap here lee hardy says um so we were talking about when you were talking about uh, masculinity and mm. not showing emotion, Lee says exactly that. Uh, uh, even now, many men feel that if we are going to cry, you must couple it with an act of aggression, punching a wall, throwing something. It's not okay just to cry. Which That's is really interesting. Yes, I, I, uh, mm. I've seen that. I used to work in a hospital as an assistant nurse. I was thinking about going into medicine when I was about 23. Yeah. And... Um, I worked on the orthopedic ward, that's the broken bones ward, and a lot of men came in who had broken their hand from punching a wall. And it was usually when um, like their wife asked them for a divorce or their child was hurt and they thought it was their fault. Uh, so it was uh, guilt, uh, shame-based, anger, rage, and then, it, like the gentleman said, they turn and hit the wall and break their hand. 
I've never told anyone this, but um, I have broken my hand uh, and I also um, cut it open both times from punching. One one was punching a window when I was about eight years old, maybe, mm. and it really cut my hand open, left a, a scar I still have on my hand mm. because I had an argument with um, a childhood friend and I didn't mm. know how to what to do and I just cried and smacked the window. Mm. And the others, and when I broke my hand, I I've never told anyone this, but I say it was when I was boxing and I punched someone and broke my hand. But what happened was I punched the floor because I was so frustrated mm-hmm. and uh, I, di- I didn't want to cry. Um, essentially, like I, I was in boxing and I, I couldn't, I was being completely dominated by my opponent. And I got, when I was on the f- floor, I just, um, you know, punched the floor and broke my hand. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't like to say that because I feel as embarrassed by it, but there you go so it's that that some people may sound ridiculous what you said about men coming into hospital because they've broken their hand for punching something but um that was me (laughs) i'm glad you told us thank you and uh i think we can all relate to some most of us have some story like that if it's not punching it's like you said an act of aggression uh i think some some violence in domestic violence situations is because uh men don't know how to express uh, say I'm afraid I'm mm. uh, I'm so ashamed or I, I uh, I'm, I'm so deeply sad and they convert it to anger uh, I like to put it this way that um, when we feel um, grief let's say we feel vulnerable exposed and out of control when we feel anger we feel powerful and in control so we like to convert the grief to anger. Women also do this. Everybody does it. But I think men are more trained, like it's expected of us, all of us. Mm. And it depends on the culture, like you said. Yeah. And actually, in, in, in the name of truth, um, it wasn't boxing that when I broke my hand, it was actually jiu-jitsu, which is like a wrestling sport. Mm. But um, So I wasn't wearing gloves, obviously. But um, yes, either way, don't punch anything. Right. <laughs> people that's the and if, and and have a cry if you need to um yeah. sarah asked a question here any advice on encouraging men who've been conditioned that vulnerability is a weakness to speak about how they feel instead of bottling up and being convinced they must be self-reliant did i did i read that okay yeah you, you yeah. did that was really good and it's a really good question from sarah and um women can really help with this if you have a male partner and that uh it helps if you are consistent with that message in other words sometimes women will want their partner to be vulnerable and other times they don't it's not consistent so they get mixed messages Mm. Uh, but if you're consistent with your message the man will start to trust you and once he trusts you in that way then he'll start to uh, expose his uh, his grief, his shame, his pain, and so on. And then what he'll learn is that it doesn't kill him and that you won't leave him once he shows it because that's what men are afraid of. They're afraid if they show their significant other um, these emotions, it's over. Or, or they've lo- they'll lose respect for them. The woman will lose respect. So once you show that that's not true, it's life-changing for a man. It'll And in that that will change your relationships like you can't believe. Mm. Oh, that was brilliant, Max. I hope that helped Sarah. Um, I hope so too. So, 
So to let people know, um, we normally get like a very brief countdown before this ends. So if you do have any questions, please, um, oh, it's tuning in from, uh, if you, sorry, I was going to say, if you, I get so distracted. If you do have any questions, please make sure you ask them now. Um, tuning in from Qatar, insightful conversation. Qatar, nice. You've been to Qatar, Max? Yes, uh, many times. I, I really love it there. I have some friends there. Yeah, you speak a lot there, do you? Yes, I, uh, I've spoken and given many workshops there and uh, also worked with a corporation there. What, what's, what's, um, could you, have you been to Ireland? To Ireland? Yeah. Yes, yes. I, uh, I've spoken and taught uh, workshops in Galway, I think, three or four times. Okay. But I haven't been for a few years. I'd love to go back. <laughs> I love Ireland. Yeah, um, I, I actually, I told you I live in the Netherlands now. Ireland was second on my list. Oh, really? Yeah, I almost moved there. Okay. Um, another question from Christina. Um, have you also worked with little children to reduce anxiety slash stress slash depression and so on? No, Christina, I don't, uh, I don't work with children. I mostly work with people like 18 to 100. Um, but I, I do have an answer for you. Because I get asked this question constantly of how do we teach children not to have so much anxiety? And I have three answers. One is keep them offline as much as possible. Don't give a child a smartphone. You know, make a, a 15, 16 year old. I mean, you don't, you don't give a child a car until they're 16. There's, there are reasons for that. And uh, you don't have them drink alcohol to a certain age. D depends on the culture. And the smartphone is too much. I mean, the problems now, and parents hate to hear this, but the problems with uh, pornography addiction amongst nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds, is through the roof, off the charts. You're giving uh, all access to the world to a child who's not ready for it. So um, controlled um, access to smartphones and online in general is one, get them out of nature as much as possible and real, let them exercise, let them run around, let them play games outside. But if, that's one of the things you can have them do instead of be online, for example. And number three, and possibly the most important is that children learn how to deal with their emotions from their parents. They model you. So if they see the parent going into anxiety when something happens, they will learn to do that as well. If you model how to deal with um, the problems of life in other ways, they will learn that from you. And by the time they're a teenager, they will know these skills that you've taught them. But we can't expect to live in anxiety, but try to protect our kids from it. I think that the mother and the father have to deal with it themselves and then the children will be okay. I'm generalizing. But I think as a general rule, there's a great truth to that. Brilliant. Thanks, Max. Um, here's an interesting question. How are you going to tackle this one, Max? Um, how can architecture help people connect with their inner world? How do you imagine spiritual public places of the future? Wow, I've never <laughs> been asked that before. Yeah, That's, that is from um, a ch let's, Zoo zoo studio architecture so there's an architecture firm mm -hmm. 
I'd like to answer that because I do like architecture quite a bit. I do pay attention yeah. to it everywhere I go because, as you know, I travel the world to speak to people. And the buildings that affect me the most were created usually well over 100 years ago, and if not 1,000 years ago. You know, the, um, what do they call it? The, is it called the golden mean? The golden, the, the, the person who asked the question will know what it's called. Where they figured out the, um, what the human eye, the human brain likes to see in terms of form and uh, structure and proportion. Uh, mm. They figured that out a long time ago. And you look at things like the gardens of Alhambra in southern Spain and other amazing um, pieces of architecture, if I can call it that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think basically... The golden mean, yeah. The it golden mean like the is a, a... A Greek philosophy about symmetry yeah. between two extremes. Yeah, and, the, and Islam really took that and ran with it in uh, southern Spain, for example. There are some great... Uh, documentaries about this that I've watched that just blew my mind. Anyway, um, I think looking back a little bit in time might remind us of what actually people find beautiful. I find a lot of modern architecture uh, to be uh, very presumptive. So it, it's like, this should be what you like, so we're going to build it. And it's <laughs> it doesn't always have that um, effect. Uh, people don't travel that much to see modern architecture. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. some. I mean, the tallest building in Dubai, for example, and the uh, the stuff by Gaudi in Spain. And there are there's some, I know that's not modern, modern, but it's somewhat modern. Um, people mostly travel across the world to see the old things because they were so extraordinary. So I think uh, let's go back and rediscover what makes human beings uh, react uh, the way they do um, to things like Notre Dame or the Great Pyramids or, or um, so, so many buildings that you can walk in and just gasp, just gasp and stop talking and uh, walk around and you don't even know why, sit there and you're not, you don't even know why. And it actually can be spiritually uplifting. It can be um, humbling and exciting all at once. Mm. And, um, and my last comment, and my apologies in advance, is let's move on from the glass and concrete uh, as a form of building materials. You know, that you walk, I walked into a retreat center recently and it was all concrete and glass. And I thought, I would never do a retreat here. It's, it's cold. It's humans... It's like it's great for a factory or a warehouse, but not. There's nothing cozy about it, and we have these words. Uh, you know, Denmark and Holland have a special word for this cozy feeling of uh, getting together with your friends and having some good quality but simple food, and the surroundings make you just feel like you're in a coziest cave in the world. And so we have to acknowledge what really makes people happy and 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 uplifts them. And uh, we can get too ahead of ourselves, too abstract, and um, forget sometimes the most basic things. Brilliant, Max. And um, I was corrected there by Shiro Art. It's the golden ratio. Thank you very much. That's um, right. Golden ratio. <laughs> thank you. That was brilliant. And um, thank you, Max. Um, 
um, a question here. How to deal with a mother who does not want to talk about her feelings? She's very frustrated and full of anger due to her past. Well, that's difficult. Um, it's, get, it's hard to get anybody to talk about their feelings, first of all. Mm. And um, whether it's a mother or father or significant other, it's, it's hard. The, the real hard thing when it's your parent is that they're, uh, you're the least likely person that they want to take advice from. Because they still remember you uh, with poopy diapers and throwing up on their shoulder. And, you know, they remember you still as a child, as a toddler, and they can't take you that seriously quite often. So when you come to them with a great teaching that's going to change their life, they just think it's funny or stupid. And uh, it's not often met well, unfortunately. And so uh, sometimes you have to get someone else to expose this information to them. Um, and you have to be very clever about how you do that. Um, even telling them, for example, if they, let's say you want your parent to practice yoga, they'll, they, will not, they will not listen to you. They, won't, they will ridicule you. But if you say, you know, you watch Oprah Winfrey every day on TV. Did you know that she practices yoga? And as soon as she knows that, it, like, it'll change your life. And she'll forget that you've been telling her for the last 17 years that she should do it. Oprah does it, she'll do it. Seems to be how it works. <laughs> but, but going back to the um, topic of emotions, first thing you can do, of course, is to show her how. In other words, you have to be the first one to, once again, model and express your emotions in a way that you would like her to do it and be very patient not to become like her when she doesn't so if she's angry and can't express her feelings and you're trying to show her how and then she says something really nasty to you watch how quickly it's you can flip and become nasty yourself don't do that set an example you have to be the one in the family the whole family to be known as the rational, sane one who can actually express emotions. Um, so not when I say rational, I don't mean non-feeling. But you express your emotions, let's say, in a non-aggressive, non-violent, in a direct but kind way. You don't say one thing and mean another. You don't say the opposite of what you mean. And um, teaching our parents to do something like that it's very difficult. They probably have to learn it from someone else. So figure out how to do that. How to, how to get their best friend to give them the book that you want to give her, for example. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. I'm sorry that's I don't have of, better uh, comments than that. No, that's fantastic. A couple of people commented on that word for cozy. Um, now, forgive my pronunciation. Heige? 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 Hager. Hager, or maybe... A Dutch word. Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, I'm not the good. I'm not great with languages. Uh, gezelig. Gezelig. I think it's. I'm going to try. Gezelig. Gezelig. <laughs> it has two. Get th- two gezelig. You, <laughs> have, do you we, have to do it twice. Need, yeah. Do we get a thumbs up for that Max's pronunciation? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I think probably uh, half a thumb up. <laughs> Um, no, that's brilliant. Um, so unfortunately, we're coming towards the end now. Um, ah, that's it. They said it's uh, H-Y-G-G-E. And a th- you got a thumbs up. <laughs> Excellent. 
post. <laughs> um, yeah, Max. Um, yeah, we're restricted to an hour for this. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure speaking to you. I listened to a life worth breathing. Almost, I, I would say like I, I stopped listening to it for maybe a month, six weeks, maybe two months, and then I'll go back to it. And it's kind of, um, it, it's like my go-to thing that to 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 kind of to not also to calm me down because you you know your voice and the way it's delivered um it, pe- people will really recommend checking out a life worth breathing and your other book is no, there's no app for happiness right that's right yeah um it's i know we mentioned this before but i think we didn't mention on the podcast did you say that is available in audio as well no it's not available audio um the second book just my first one a life worth breathing okay um I did just record a bunch of audio, which will be available in about three weeks mm. on my website. So um, for those of you who would like to check that out, uh, about three weeks, we're going to have a, a lot of things to choose from, not just my book. For the, I've been saying I'm going to do this for the last five or six years, and finally I did it. I, this one good thing that came from the pandemic is I was able yeah. to take some time and record some audio. So you've put that audio, because I listened to the latest one, um, on YouTube, but is that available not on YouTube, like just audio? And you, as, as your website, is it just audio on your website or is it video too? Both. On my website store, oh, there's okay. audio and video online course uh, for breathing, for emotions. Uh, the stuff on YouTube, of course, is free and they're just often s- snippets of lectures I give and so on. Yeah. Yeah. It's just nice to have it when you don't have to look at the screen. You can shut it off while say you're driving. Yeah. That's my, th- my thing. Um, I, I put it on in, in the car, especially when I go to, when I'm on the way to class, because it puts me in that zone of mm-hmm. wisdom. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, um, Good for you. I've, 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 I've mimicked you many times, Max. <laughs> I tried to anyway. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you're very complimentary, and I, it means a lot to me to hear that you return to my book frequently. It really means a lot oh, to yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, listen, thank you, everyone, for your great questions. This is by far the best Instagram Live I've done. The most had the most um, interaction, uh, and uh, so I'm really uh, grateful because this, this episode is made uh, more meaningful by your comments and by your questions. So... Thank you so much, everyone. Um, Max, any closing words before they tell us to get off? Yes, my closing words are my um, Breathe to Heal workshop, which is a 15-hour workshop. We moved it online because we have to now, and it, it's going to be, uh, what is it, one week, two weeks from now? Mm. Three, four weeks from now. Just check my website. But it's a full course on breathing in order to heal uh, anxiety and depression and deal with fear. So it's extremely relevant and helps a lot of people. Yeah, we've got 10 seconds left. Please check that out, everyone. Max Strom has been a big influence for me, and uh, I really appreciate it. So, Max, we've got to go now. Thank Thank, you so much. Thank you very much, Mr. Boyle. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Thank you, everyone.